0: Carlson, världens best Carlson, 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 Hoi, here comes Carlson, 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 ingen faktisk, ingen annan Carlson, 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 Carlson scores! Carlson. Yes! Welcome everybody to episode 21 of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. As always, I'm here, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me from Japan is Brian Kamm.
1: This week we won't speculate, we'll prognosticate.
0: All right. Well, we definitely have lots to talk about this week. Basically, this is going to be the trade deadline edition. And I know that maybe a lot of you hardcore poolies out there are kind of maybe sick at this point of reading about everyone's opinions on the different trades that went on before the deadline. But I think we're going to give you something different. We're going to go through a bunch of the trades and just talk about different players, how they're affected, who wins, who loses, and what you can do as someone in a fantasy hockey pool to take advantage of what happened Make the smart moves that put you over the top. So let's get right into it. I feel like there's a lot of big trades, but maybe one of the biggest, at least in my opinion, and maybe especially for me because it affected my roster, is Martin St. Louis being traded to the New York Rangers for Ryan Callahan and some picks. So I have St. Louis. At first I got a little nervous because, you know... Oh, he was going to play with Stamkos. Now I'm not sure. But so far, so good for St. Louis on New York. What do you think, Brian?
1: I wouldn't be too concerned about him not having Stamkos, right? Because he's played so much time already without him this year. If you look at his with or without you stats over at HockeyAnalysis.com, you'll see that he had 10 points with Stamkos on the ice, but he has 36 on the season. He had 5 goals, 5 assists with Stamkos. And in total on the season, he has 17 goals and 19 assists and 120 shots. In fact... St. Louis' possession numbers with or without Stamkos are about the same, although he has a slight drop in his points per 60, but who wouldn't when playing alongside Steven Stamkos? But the the point is, is that St. Louis' points per 60 minutes is still above two with and without Steven Stamkos. So I think he's probably capable of generating his own offense, and it's shown already with the Rangers, right?
0: Well, yeah, so he's played two games. He has one assist, but I actually watched the his first game with the rangers where he went pointless but his line along with Hagland and Richards was really buzzing like you could just tell that they're going to be really effective for the rangers i'm excited for them i think if i were to bet on a team right now to be a sleeper to go far i'm i would take the rangers and overall i feel good about st. louis and also i feel like for people who have hagland or richards well probably richards won't be available but if hagland maybe is available in your league i would definitely snag him
1: Actually, Elon, that reminds me when you said, you know, that they are a sleeper team. I I thought, well, yeah, but John Tortorella coaches a defensive Rangers team. And obviously, it's been a while since he's been behind their bench. So you don't have to be worried about the Rangers being a defense-only team right now. If you have one of those guys on the line, I I think you're in better shape with Vino behind the bench than you would have been with Tortorella.
0: All right, so that's the Rangers side of the trade. But I think the more interesting thing is looking at what happens to the Tampa Bay Lightning here. There are some very interesting fantasy implications. Firstly, who is now playing along with Steven Stamkos? Everyone wants to know. There's been a couple of games, so we have our answer.
1: We do. Alex Killorn and Teddy Purcell have won the lottery. They're the ones playing with Steven Stamkos, and so have their owners. It used to be, you know, who is the third guy that's going to play with Stamkos, and now there are a second and a third guy. That makes things a little more exciting, and we have yet to see how fluid this line is going to be. I think Killorn has been the third player fairly often already, so we can expect him to stick. And Purcell seems to be doing all right in the position so far. It's worth keeping a close eye on Tampa's lines, but for now, it looks like this is what they're going to stick with.
0: So you'd think that will mean that Purcell and Killoran should get a bump in their production. Of course, two games in, neither they or Stamkos have really generated any offense. But you have to think with an elite player like Stamkos, you're going to be able to piggyback some points. It's also worth pointing out that Purcell is on that top power play unit with Stamkos and Ryan Callahan, along with Phil Pilla and Hedman.
1: Purcell is moving a little bit of a slower pace overall this year. He has 36 points in 64 games last year. He did the same thing in 48 games. And keep in mind, the year before, he had 65 points in 81 games. He was a 50-point player the year before. So maybe this will be a bit of a return to fantasy relevance because this is his fourth year as a member of the Lightning, and it's been his most disappointing so far. His shooting percentage is down a little bit, and maybe this will be what he needs to sort of push back onto fantasy owners' radars and and make his owners right now happier.
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to follow what happens with Purcell and Killorn. The big loser, it looks like to me, in this reshuffling on Tampa Bay, is Tyler Johnson goes down to the third line to play with Richard Panik and JT Brown. Previously, Johnson had been centering a line with Andrej Palat and Martin St. Louis, so definitely a huge reduction there. If I was a Tyler Johnson owner, I would be very scared.
1: Well, Ilan, he's on a three-game point streak, and I don't know how much there is to be scared of there. His possession numbers have been pretty strong, too, relative to the rest of his team. He's still seeing some power play time, so maybe it's premature to say you should be scared, but at least be wary.
0: Right, yeah. Well, it's been a couple of odd games for Tampa Bay, considering that Stamkos' line hasn't done anything. But they should definitely be an interesting team to follow. They were so hot, and I'm curious to see if they'll be able to keep it up without their former captain, Martin St. Louis. But okay, we got to move on. So many trades. Let's talk about Luongo going to the Panthers in exchange for Jacob Markstrom. That was definitely something surprising. No one really saw that coming. We were just talking on the last podcast about how Luongo owners should be nervous because Eddie Lack was taking over a little bit in nets for Vancouver. Now, the net is all there for Eddie Lack and I guess Jacob Markstrom, if you think he's a concern. So let's dig into that. First of all, do Luongo owners have any reason to feel good about this trade?
1: I think they have a ton of reason to feel good, especially if they've seen any of Vancouver's results. You know, in the last week, going back even like to the last four weeks, Vancouver seems like they've actually kind of had their hand forced into a rebuild with Kessler asking a trade and rumored that. Edler and BXA were also on the trading block. And in Florida, none of that drama is there anymore. There's not going to be that backup seemingly looking over Luongo's shoulder. He is the goalie right now in the Panthers' system. I don't think he's going to get a very big push from either Dan Ellis, Scott Clemenson, or their only apparent goalie prospect that I'm looking at right now that's under contract, Michael Hauser, who none of us have heard of. And I don't want to get cliche and say, oh, you know, well, he is more comfortable you know, maybe in Florida. And finally, he's somewhere where he's wanted. But I think it's a positive situation. I don't think much was going well for him in Vancouver. If you look at his numbers over the last few years, I mean, he's still been a strong goaltender all this time, but he's somehow gotten a bad rap. Now maybe he can put those numbers up again in peace in Florida. And it makes him, I feel, come next year's draft for fantasy owners, a bit more of a sleeper. I think people will stop paying attention to him Now that he's in Florida and you might be able to capitalize on like a lower perceived value for him.
0: Well, I guess the big concern will be with his wins and his goals against average, right? It might be a situation a lot like what was going on with Ryan Miller back when he was on Buffalo. Everyone knew he was a good goalie, but no one really wanted him since he wasn't going to provide any wins and was going to let in a lot of goals. Do you see a chance for him to actually thrive in Florida and turn them around as a team?
1: Like I said, I don't think Vancouver was necessarily going in the right direction either And I think Vancouver is probably tearing down their roster Well, Florida ideally is, you know, about to watch the maturation of their young prospects and draft picks grow over the next couple of years. So you might not see immediate dividends. You might not see a lot of wins over the course of the rest of the year. But next year, you know, they might still be a bottom 10 team, but there's at least a shot that they're going to be getting better.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, and speaking about Vancouver... Are we feeling good about Eddie Lack? Is Eddie Lack a must-add? Like, obviously, he's the starter now, but at the same time, you're saying that Vancouver is a team in duress that maybe you don't want to own a goalie on. What would you say if someone offered you Eddie Lack at this moment?
1: I guess I would be happy about it, but apprehensive, at least more apprehensive than the Canucks' front office seem to be. I think it's funny because last week, We were like, oh, watch out for Eddie Lack. His last three games have been really good, and maybe he'll take over for Luongo. And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, we're not going to base a lot on three games, but apparently the Canucks were ready to go all in on a guy with 28 NHL games played and even fewer at the time of the trade and sure his numbers are great in that span. He has a 9.22 save percentage and a 2.15 goals against average. Both sparkling numbers but I am not ready to go all in on Eddie Lack as the Canucks are. If I was offered him in a trade I'd be apprehensive. I wouldn't jump in with both feet right away especially like I said considering the direction that the Canucks are going but he is still a pretty solid goaltending prospect with a good pedigree, especially if you're in a salary cap league who's going to be good for you for the next couple of years in that scenario.
0: All right, Brian, let me make it hard for you then. Let's say you had Luongo, someone offered you Eddie Lack. Would you make that trade?
1: In a one year, I would roll the dice on Luongo. In a keeper league, I would probably take Lack, although I still think Luongo might be the better goaltender You know, for the next year, maybe two years.
0: Right, well, if people share your hunch and think that Florida might improve next season, then there'll be a lot of good sleepers available in the draft, because right now no one on Florida is producing consistently.
1: Yeah, no one even pays attention to them. So even if they were producing really consistently, I think only the most in-depth poolies might know about it.
0: So those were two of the bigger trades that happened. Let's just go over some players now who we think benefited or lost during the trade deadline. One person I want to bring up is Alish Hemsky, who got traded to the Ottawa Senators. Just yesterday, the Senators played Winnipeg, and Hemsky got three assists. It looked like four at one point. They changed it back to three. Also, I should note that he was playing on a line with Spezza and McCulloch, and McCulloch got a goal and two assists. So is this now a resurgence for Hemsky and also McCulloch or is it just one game and we should still keep them at the same value they had before?
1: Well I think you know my answer at least about if it's just one game you know how much we can take from that not a whole lot and I think it might be early to call it a resurgence although I think I might agree with you in the long term that Hemsky is good but I don't know if I'd call it a resurgence there's been a lot written lately about how in Edmonton he was just sort of misused for years and years on teams that were weak and He never, you know, apparently lost his talent. He was just not able to show it in the right context. And hopefully that's what Ottawa is going to do with him. And so far, yeah, I guess it it seems to be working alongside Spetta and Michalik. Both players, though, are rumored not to be with Ottawa next year. So if you're in a keeper pool, that's something to consider. In the short term, I think it will be really interesting to see in what circumstances the Sens use him in his first game with the team 86% of his zone starts almost were in the offensive zone. You're
0: talking about Hemsky here. Yeah. And what about McCulloch?
1: Yes, and by extension, so is McCulloch. And just as a sampling, I'm going to tell you in some of Hemsky's final games as an Euler, how many of his zone starts were in the offensive zone. I'm just going to rhyme off numbers. 25%, 20%, 10%, 8.3%, and 20%.
0: Wow, so yeah, definitely an improved situation for him on Ottawa. Also, I should point out that Hemsky, McCulloch, and Spezza not only make up the first line, they also make up part of the first power play unit, along with Kyle Turris and Eric Carlson.
1: Yeah, I think, collaterally, this could help McCulloch and Spezza. I'm really reticent to make a bigger prediction based on that one successful game that we're talking about.
0: All right, well, maybe we'll have to check back next week. But just to throw it out there, Alish Hemsky right now is 7.1% owned on ESPN, and Milan McCulloch is 28.5%. So both of them might just be available in your league, and if you have someone who isn't doing anything and you want to roll the dice on someone, both of those guys look like they could potentially be really good pickups.
1: That's crazy. The Sens got Hemsky for such a low value on trade deadline day. And I think that reflects his value in fantasy pools too. I think this is one of the lowest values you will see him at, at least in the next two or three years.
0: So Brian, then let me ask you, who would you rather have? Because this affects me in particular, Alex Hemsky or someone who is considered to be one of the big losers on deadline day, Kyle Okposo, who lost his remaining good line mate in Thomas Vanek.
1: I would take Hemsky. I think over the course of his career, he's proven to be a more talented and productive player than Kyle Okposo. All season, we've been wondering about Okposo: Is it his linemates? Is it Tavares? Is it Vanek? Can he do it by himself? Can he drive offense? And I don't know what the answer is yet. And for me, that's enough to say that I want Hemsky more. And speaking of Okposo, his linemates have changed from John Tavares and Thomas Vanek to Franz Nielsen and Michael Grabner, which is not too shabby. But you know, you've lost two elite scorers and replaced them with, you know, middle of the road, one strong defensive forward and another really streaky guy. I think his value has dropped like plummeted in most leagues and fused on my team, I would definitely be looking at the free agent pool like you are to see who I can replace him with.
0: Well, yeah, unfortunately, you can't argue with the numbers in six games. Since the Olympic break, which is six games since not having Tavares with him, Ocposo has two goals and one assist. And in two games since not having Vanek either, he has just the one goal that he scored against Calgary. So... Yeah, I'm very scared. It's too bad. Like, Akposa was my big star that I was hoping to ride through the rest of the season and then decide if he's worth being a keeper for next year. Now I don't even know if he's going to stay on my roster.
1: Yeah, you know, like those numbers you said aren't so bad. You know, half a point per game in a small sample size is pretty good. But I'm just looking, and this is also just one game, but his coursey relative. And what that means is this. It means that if you're playing on a bad team your possession numbers can be judged in relation to your own team. Because if your whole team sucks at possession, you're going to also, but you should not necessarily be penalized for that, right? So if you can be good, at least relative to how the rest of your team is performing, then that sort of fairly reflects your own skill at possessing the puck. And last game, his coursey relative, his was Negative 32%, which means that his possession numbers last game were 32% lower than his team's average, which is abnormally low. Like, that's phenomenally low. Usually, you know, you might be minus 5, minus 10, but minus 32 is otherworldly.
0: So are you saying it's possible that even in this bad situation, it could get even worse? Like, if Okposo is so much worse compared to the rest of his team, maybe he'll even go off the first line there. Of course, that depends on the coach looking at the Corsi relative.
1: Yeah, well, I'm looking down the Isles' depth chart right now, and behind Okposo is Brock Nelson, Matt Martin, and Anders Lee. And I don't think either of those are really going to challenge for the mantle. And even if they do, I mean, I, there isn't a huge drop-off in line mate quality even. So wherever Okposo lines up, I guess it depends on his ice time, ultimately, whether or not he'll be worthwhile holding on to. And just to be fair, his relative Corsi number... Before last game, it was plus 16. Before that, it was minus 15. Before that, it was plus 10. So he's all over the place. He's better. He's worse. And of course, it's going to happen, you know, if you just look at, again, a small sample size. I feel like I've already said that seven times this show but it is a red flag.
0: Let's talk now about Marion Gabarik going from Columbus to LA. A lot of potential consequences for other players on LA and Columbus. First of all, though, let's talk about Gaboric. Do you think this brings him up or down in value?
1: I don't know. It's so hard to say. Any player on the Kings that's offensively talented is not really getting the chance to show it. And We talked about this a little bit after having watched some of the Olympics and seeing Drew Doughty and Jeff Carter score and be so successful and being reminded like oh my god these guys can score because with the la kings on a day-to-day basis we don't see this kind of thing it's not a role that they get to play if they are the offensive players they still have to do it in a very defensive way and that's the situation that gabrick is about to find himself in and i mentioned on twitter actually the same thing about thomas Vanek; they're two superstar elite scorers going to teams that don't really tend to use elite scores in a very elite, productive way.
0: So it sounds like you're saying that you should expect Gaborik to go down. And I guess you can't really go down from being injured. And so it's hard to say what he would have produced on Columbus. But he's going to LA. He's on a line right now with Anshay Kopitar and Justin Williams. You'd think they should be able to produce some offense. But in one game so far on the Kings, he didn't get a point. He got three shots. I guess it's too early to say It'll be interesting to see what happens with Marion Gabrick.
1: And you mentioned his line mates, Elon. One guy who gets affected a lot by this is someone who's gotten a lot of airtime between us on the podcast. A lot of ad drops by myself and one recently by you. And you know who I'm talking about?
0: I have a feeling you're going to say Tyler Toffoli.
1: I am going to say Tyler Toffoli. And we talked so much about, you know, oh my gosh, he's on the top line. Pick him up. Oh, he's not on the top line. He's in the minors again. Drop him. And went back and forth, yo-yoed at least maybe not between NHL and AHL, but between the top line in a relevant role and the bottom line in a non-relevant role. Now, I think Gabrick's acquisition kind of seals his fate. This won't be his year that he breaks out and produces.
0: All right, so maybe this will be the last time we talk about Toffoli on keeping Carlson this year, though he is right now in the second line with Richards and Carter, which is still a solid couple of line mates. So we'll see what happens. I'm also very interested to see what happens now with Columbus. One player who I'm seeing a lot on the score sheet recently is Artem Anisimov. Is this Gaborik trade somehow improving his situation on Columbus, or has it just been sort of a string of luck?
1: Well, maybe the word you're looking for is coincidence. I don't think it has much to do with Gaborik, because his ice time is about the same, his power play time is about the same, his zone starts are about the same. But I think he is just having a successful season. He's been on the score sheet in five of his last six games with six goals and a helper and is a valuable guy. Whether his value goes up because Gabrick is gone, I'm not so sure. But just because he's not about to get a boost doesn't mean that you should forget that he exists.
0: Let's move on and talk about some of the goalies affected by the trade deadline. We already talked about Lack and Luongo, but there were a whole bunch of other goalies who were moved and other players on those teams who were subsequently affected. So Brian, give us the goalie rundown.
1: Well, I'll start with a curveball that was thrown our way after last week when we talked about Ryan Miller getting traded and thinking, oh, Jonas Enroth is probably the guy now. Who ends up there now is Michael Neuverth, who's been looking for his opportunity to beat number one for a long time now. And maybe we're seeing a platoon situation for both of them, which is still improved because Enroth was really sort of stuck behind Miller and Neuwirth was not getting a fair shake in Washington. He'll get more time in Buffalo now than I think he would have gotten if he stayed in Washington. And I think it's a decent situation for him. It's not the best and it does cut into what I said a little bit about Enroth last week being the guy now in a legitimate number one who you can count on for minutes and saves, I'd still be happy to own either one of them in like three years when Buffalo gets competitive again. Yaroslav Halak is another guy that I'm interested in following just because we talked about it a few months ago when Holdby was really struggling that the Caps seem to have committed to him in not playing Michael Neuverth, who we just talked about, and Halak is the goalie that sort of set them on this path away from being an offensive powerhouse in the NHL and now he's there to maybe save the team it's not clear yet how much of a role he's going to play with the team if he'll be able to legitimately challenge Holtby for number one minutes or is just there to gently push him from the number two or one B spot but he did have a good start with them when they played the Coyotes on Saturday night he stopped 33 of 35 shots decent debut and a good first impression Not as good as a position as he was in St. Louis, but a better position than he was in in Buffalo. A bit of a roller coaster for Halak owners over the last week.
0: Yeah, well, as long as he's not on Buffalo, it's not the worst possible place he could be.
1: Okay, let's talk about Ilya Brizgalov, who was not setting the world on fire with Edmonton, nor is he expected to with Minnesota, but he is insurance now that I think we can say this, Backstrom is officially out for the season. He won't be coming back to play for the Wild this year. And that just leaves Harding, who has been out for a long time, and there really is no light at the end of that tunnel either. And that puts Brisgolov in an interesting situation. He'll be there to, you know, spell Kemper when he gets tired, rest up for the playoffs. But also, if Kemper starts to falter, I mean, I think he does have a long leash, like we've talked about before on the show. But Brisgolov is a previous full-time NHLer who can step in at any time. And I think if you're looking for a number three goalie or a number four goalie or maybe like a 2B even, if that sort of thing exists in your pool, Brisgolov is not a bad option. I think this helps his fantasy value playing for a better team defensively than the Edmonton Oilers, who had, by the way, already apparently committed to Ben Scrivens as well.
0: So would you say Scrivens's value basically stays the same, even though Brisgolov left?
1: I think it does because they had another goalie come in, Victor Fast, who finds himself in Edmonton, which is a much worse team than Anaheim. But for him personally, it's a better situation because he was battling, you know, initially with Hiller. And then Frederick Anderson came up and showed that he was a legitimate number two and maybe 1B also. And he was injured and sort of unfair to him the turn of events. But now that he's in Edmonton, he's got a shot to push Scribbins. They've signed Scribbins, right, to two years. They've actually negotiated a contract with him, haven't done that yet with Fass. So for now, going on that alone, I would still think that Skirbins is the guy that they're looking to. But Fass has shown a lot in his short NHL career. In 25 games played last year, he had a 921 save percentage. This year, not so hot. Five games, 886 save percentage, but small sample size. And I'm not going to put too much faith in that. I think by all accounts, he is reliably Decent goaltending prospect, and his value has gone up too. He's more worth having than he was before, caught in like a really crowded goalie situation.
0: All right, well, we could continue on forever. There were a lot of other trades. We're not going to get to them this week, but if these players start doing something noticeable, we'll definitely bring them up next week. But let's close out the show with some players of note, like we like to do every week. So, Brian, tell us some players that people should start flagging on their watch list potentially.
1: Well, there are two players that you should flag only for the reason that they are playing on their team's top lines with talented players. Uh, The first that I'd like to talk about is Kyle Palmieri, who was on the top line in Anaheim for a spell earlier this year, alongside Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry.
0: Yeah, Palmieri might be an interesting pickup at this point. He's only 0.2% owned in ESPN, but playing on a line like that, he's also on the top power play in Anaheim at the moment. And yeah, so in two games since Dustin Penner got traded, which I think triggered him to go back to the top line, he's got one assist. And in the game where he didn't get any points, he got six shots on goal. So definitely something to keep your eye on.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of guys that the Ducks can plug in there. They have a lot of young players. They have, you know, maybe Bonino or Edam or Silverberg. We'll see time alongside them on the top line, too, if Palmieri doesn't really produce or if they need to shuffle their lineup. But for now, I think he's a good option as long as he's on there. You know what, we said this, what, like four months ago, too? Whoever's up there is going to have a good chance to put up points or offense.
0: Mm -hmm. So who's the other guy?
1: The other guy is Elias Lindholm. He's playing on Carolina's top line alongside Eric Stahl and Jeff Skinner. Not doing a whole lot with the opportunity so far, though. He has just one shot on goal in his last three games, though he did have a goal and an assist three games back. So
0: I guess we were right in saying to not jump on Yuri Tlusty back when he got that opportunity. I remember you mentioned, Brian, that this probably won't last, and it looks like it hasn't.
1: Yeah, we were right. It's always good to point out when that happens. On the season, you're probably wondering, because this is not someone you've been tracking. He has just five goals and nine assists for 14 points in 41 games. So nothing to really get too excited about. Just someone in really deep leagues to consider. He is a victim of a very low team on ice shooting percentage right now, which means his PDO is a little low. Also, his on ice save percentage is pretty weak. Neither of those necessarily reflect his own talent as a player. They both might imply that his numbers should be better than they are, except that seems to be the case with all of Carolina. We've talked about Jordan Stahl this year and he's been a real big victim of this too so I wouldn't read too much into that just watch him while he's on the top line Carolina doesn't seem to be going too far these days but again if you are desperate for a free agent pickup if someone's injured and there really aren't a whole lot of people available you could probably do worse than Elias Lindholm
0: Okay, and I'm going to finish off the show by talking about our jobber of the week. Brian introduced this term last week to be a guy who you shouldn't pick up expecting him to put up huge numbers, but someone you could rely on to get you points when you might need them. The jobber for this week is Travis Zajac on the New Jersey Devils, and Zajac is just one of these guys where, you know, he gets hot and cold, sometimes he's doing really well, sometimes not so much. He always seems to get good minutes on New Jersey. Right now, he seems to be clicking with Ryan Klo and Yarmer Yager on the top line there. He's also on the top power play unit with Yager, Elias Brunner, and Zidlichke. So Zajac might be someone to grab if he's available in your league. He just got a goal and two assists in New Jersey's last game against Carolina. It's hard to know whether he's going to fall back asleep or be able to keep it up, but he is playing with the ageless Yarmir Yager. So I'd probably bet on the latter rather than the former. I think that he might be good for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, well, he is on my watch list. And over his career, if we want to find a little bit more of an indication about what might happen with him, he's a little bit better than a half point per game, which makes him generally fantasy relevant. This year, he has 11 goals and 23 assists for 34 points in 63 games. Not excellent, but all he has to do is do it for the next few weeks, especially if you're in a head-to-head league, and you'll be in good shape. He could just put you over like a good jobber
0: does. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been a really fun episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that you picked up some tidbits that will help you to grab that fantasy championship down the line. A little TLDR here, McCulloch, Hemsky, Zajac, Paul Mary, a lot of potential low owned players. That could be good pickups that you'll be happy you made later on. So please write in, let us know what you've done. Let us know if our advice has spurned you to make any actions and whether you're happy or not with them. You could write at us keeping Carlson at gmail.com. You might also want to write about how we advise you to pick up Carl Soderberg last week. He's got four points in his last four games. So you're welcome for that. Also follow us on Twitter. At Keeping Carlson, we've had a really fun week on Twitter since the trade deadline. Responding to all of your tweets, answering people's questions, trying to give advice. It's a lot of fun, so yeah, follow us there. Also, you can check out our website, keepingcarlson.com. But that is going to do it. Let's cue that outro music, and Brian, read us the credits, please.
1: Thank you to the resources we use to research and plan the show, Extra Skater, Left Wing Lock, Behind the Net, Dubber Hockey, Yahoo Sports, and ESPN Fantasy Hockey.
0: Well done, Brian. You're you're so good at that now.
1: Really smooth.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, definitely. Not gonna require an edit. But okay, goodbye everybody.
1: Good luck.